You're listening to a sermon podcast from Redemption Hill Church, recorded at one of our worship services. Good morning, church. I'm Justine. I'll be reading today from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. These are the true words of the living God. You are the man of the match. Okay, it's not stable. Our regular preaching stand got abducted on the way between big picture and here last week. So uh, thank you, Joe, for improvising uh, for us this morning. Well, good morning, ECP. Uh, As we have been saying, we are beginning a series today talking about who we are, our identity, looking forward. This is a new church that is going to be planted. By the end of this year, we are going to be autonomous and independent. Uh, And so in the next next seven weeks, the next six sermons, uh, we're going to have Philippians on Chinese New Year. But we have six dedicated sermons to talk about who we are and what uh, some of our commitments are, and where we are headed, and what we would like to be as a church. So that is what is uh, going on here. Uh, Today, we're talking about the big picture, what we would like ECP to be. The big picture, what we would like ECP to be. This is all building up to the 18th of February, where we're going to unveil our name that we have chosen, the name of the new baby. So uh, these six Sermons are a way of just setting out what's important to us, laying some foundations, and also giving some background, some context, and some explanation for the name that we have chosen uh, when it gets revealed. So some things we're going to be asking over the next little while are, what's important to us? What do we want to look like? What are our essential principles? What are things that we want to apply in every moment of the life of ECP? And what works and activities are we wanting to give ourselves to as well? What commitments do we want to make and be held accountable for as we move forward from here? All of this to say, and this is where I want to begin, is by inviting you into all of this. You are invited into forming the foundational values and principles with us. This is for all of us. This is for all of us. Uh, you're included into dreaming along with us about how you would like this community that God is building to look. It's no accident that you are here at ECP, that God has brought you here. It's no accident that you are part of the first steps of this new church. And the excitement and the possibility is that it's upon our shoulders that future generations will stand. And so that is uh, an offer we would like to make for y- to you. Uh, Before I really get going, I just want to make two quick small comments, uh, just to give you a bit more background. Later in the year, we're having another dedicated ECP series, and uh, we're looking at our identity and activities that we're going to commit to now. 
later in the third quarter, we're going to be looking at our culture. We're going to be looking at our identity and our activities, what we want to give ourselves to now. Second half of the year, we're going to be looking at how we are going to do those, how we're going to live out the identity and how we are going to uh, move forward with our commitments. So that's more on our culture. So that's coming in the third quarter. The other thing I want to say is this is a very one-off series. We're never ever going to do this again because this is at the beginning. Uh, it's a historic moment in time. You only get to start something once. And this is more of a vision-setting six-sermon series. So it's not going to be our regular diet of preaching, how we normally want it to be or have come to make it look. It's a vision setting. It's like uh, family meetings where the parents are just talking about the future with the family. So, of course, we're going to base everything on the Bible. That goes without saying. I have more to say about that in a moment. But uh, it's not going to look like a classic exposition uh, that we normally do by nature. So if you can just give us allowance and understanding that uh, for us. We are looking at a lot of application and how these things are going to work for us as a community. Okay, without further ado, let's get into it. Today I want to look at four questions. Question one, what would we love ECP to be? And that's going to be a short answer. The second question is, what do we hope the hallmarks of ECP to be? The third question is, what are some of our essential principles, the things which ought to apply in every moment of ECP life? The fourth question sounds remarkably like the first question. What would we like ECP to be? And that's going to be the long answer to the same question. Following today, the four sermons after that are going to look at four commitments which we are going to make to four activities. Four commitments to four activities. So that's just the synoptic map of uh, where we're headed. Okay, so the first question, what would we like ECP to be? Well, I can give you, well, I'm going to give you the short answer now, and then as I say, I'm going to give you a longer answer under question four. Uh, the short answer is this. We would love ECP to be a grace community. What do we want ECP to be? We'd love ECP to be a grace community. We want to be full of God's grace, and we'd love to be a genuine community. These words are precious and dear to us, and we love putting them together into a simple idea of being a grace community. In fact, we like to think that we will be able to sum ourselves up in these two words, a grace community. Well, let's unpack what these words mean. What does grace mean? You may be asking me. This is my definition. Grace is God's favor to me amounting to goodness in Christ. What is grace? Grace is God's favor to me amounting to goodness in Christ. When we think of grace, we think of Jesus. We also think of our sin. Jesus is grace. And because of grace, Jesus forgives us our sin. That's at the heart of what we're doing here. Grace enables us to have relationship. Relationship with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Grace has everything to do with the work of Christ. And in turn, the grace of Christ should have everything to do 
with the way we conduct our lives and with the way we conduct our relationships. The word grace puts God at the center of this church. What about the word community? It's a word we also love. Community is warm, is close, it talks of friendship. But more than friendship, it talks about connection with other people in Christ. It means connection to other people who are in Christ. It means diversity. It means conversation. It means challenges. It means people. It means cohesion and lapses of cohesion. And thank goodness community doesn't stand alone because it stands with the word grace. And so when community gets damaged or broken or needs mending, grace comes to mend and to heal and to bring cohesion to community, to make the community stronger at the end of the day. This community exists because of grace, and this community is powered and built by grace. Okay, that was a short answer. You all okay? You all smiling out there? Good. Question two. What do we hope the hallmarks of ECP to be? Well, let me put the question slightly differently. What should the hallmarks of a grace community be? Well, community has everything to do with relationship. Relationship has everything to do with two words, love and no. Relationship has everything to do with two words, love and no. That's what happens in community. Sounds easy, right? Love people, know people. But it's actually, I'm going to tell you a secret here, it's actually quite hard to love someone. Especially in community, where we rub each other up the wrong way, we misunderstand each other, and we hurt each other. It's easy in community to get hurt and get disappointed. So it's actually quite hard to love. It's also quite hard, and I'm going to tell you another secret, it's also quite hard to know people and to be known. People don't just let people into their hearts all that easily. It's not comfortable. I mean, who wants someone poking around in the dark and painful corners of your heart? But what is the secret to loving and to knowing? Well, you guessed it, and the answer is grace. Because to love someone, you have to begin with grace. You have to forgive them. You have to accept them for who they are. And that paves the way for you to then be kind to them. What about knowing someone? To let someone know you. To let someone know you. You also have to begin with grace. You have to start with God's grace. That who you are, just as you are, is okay and acceptable to God. That's what grace is. And if you start there with that feeling of, I'm okay and acceptable to God because of the grace of Christ, it becomes easier to let people inside. Okay, so I've given you two examples there. But if you think about uh, love and know and God and others, you get a two-by-four arrangement. There we go. Okay. One, love God. Two, love others. Three, know God. Four, know others. Five, be loved by God. Six, be loved by others. Seven, be known by God. Eight, be known by others. Number one, because God has given us grace, we love Him.
Number two, because God has given us grace, we can love others. Number three, because God has given us grace, we can enter into relationship with Him and know Him. Isn't that the most extraordinary idea on the planet? Number four, because God has given us grace, we strive to know other people deeply. Number five, because God has given us grace, we can actually experience God's love for us. Number six, because God has given us grace, we can become a community where it's easy for us to actually accept the love that other people want to give us. Number seven, because God has given us grace, we can feel known by God. Let me assure you, that is one of the most remarkable things on earth, to feel like God knows you intimately with all your dirt and your junk and still accepts you and still loves you. And then number eight, because God has given us grace, because we stand on it, we can open up our dirty, sinful hearts and let other people know us. All right, maybe I should uh, use the Bible and uh, put this matter into Bible language about grace, community, loving and knowing and God and others. Well, where does some of these ideas come from? Well, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 22. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's so simple. Love God, love people. Christianity and church can get very complicated very quickly. But what if we made things simple? What if simplicity brings total clarity? What if love and know are the things that you crave the most on earth? And what if this is the very best thing we could give ourselves to? Loving God, loving others, and in turn being loved by God and being loved by others. So, provisionally, if we had a church motto, we don't have a coat of arms, but just let's assume we did, and we needed a motto, it would probably be this. Love God. Love people. Even a child can remember that. you just got to remember three words. One word twice. Love God, love people. And that really gets to the heart of a lot of what we're doing. All built and, and empowered by grace. Okay, question number three. What are some of our essential principles? Things which ought to apply in every single moment of life in ECP. Quick summary, so far we've said what we'd like to be is a grace community. Second thing we said is uh, what does a grace community look like? Well, it's full of love, full of knowing, full of God, and full of others. Okay, but moving beyond this, we're getting a little picture of the family, the interpersonal relationships going on in this family. But the family needs a structure. The family needs some kind of a house or a home to be housed in. Uh, you need some, uh, what do you call that, uh, floor, uh, walls. Uh, ceiling, roof, uh, and pillars inside the building. So five essential pillars to keep the structure in place so that the family can be the family inside the home. You kind of get the metaphor. Well, these are our uh, essential principles. They're essential because they're essential because they should apply in every, every moment. Uh, if you take away one of these principles, you're either going to get wind in through the side or rain in through the top or no floor, you'll sink into the mud. So all five have got to operate all the time for this house to facilitate the stuff going on inside. 
so essential principles apply in every situation, every conversation, every activity, interaction, coffee, CG moment, and so on. Okay, so here we go. It's just a quick list. I'm uh, fighting the clock, so we, we will go over these many times in the future. So here's the list. Essential principle number one, God our Father must be Lord over us. Always and everything. Essential principle number two, Christ must be the cornerstone of grace that we stand on. Every moment, in every situation, always. Essential principle number three, the Bible must be our authority and reference. Essential principle number four. The Holy Spirit must be acknowledged, honored, and engaged with every moment and everything. And essential principle number five. Relationships and people are to be prized. Uh, we will be distributing notes on all of this, by the way. I know it's uh, a lot coming at you. Okay, question number four. What would we love ECP to be? And this is the long answer. So far, we'd love to be a grace community. The hallmarks of this grace community are love, know, God, and others. And then we have five non-negotiables, which we would consider essential in every moment and everything that we do as a church. But let's enlarge on this idea of uh, what is a grace community, biblically speaking. And uh, I'm here referring to essential principle number three, that in all things we want the Bible to be our reference and our guide. So let's uh, turn to Ephesians 2, which uh, Justine read out for us. Let me reread it. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and preached peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household, the home of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, so in this passage, we have this double action or the double operation of grace and community all coming together in one beautiful image. So let's uh, go through it line by line. Verse 17 says this, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. Well, this is another way of saying grace. This is the truth of the Christian gospel. And uh, perhaps you're with us today and you're not actually a Christian. This is the truth of the Christian gospel. Is that we, some of us were far off, some of us were near. But whether you're near or far off, all of us were outside the love of the Father. And so Christ came to us. Christ came to us, though we were in unrestrained war and conflict against God, Christ came to bring us peace. This is not like the serenity and the heart kind of peace. This is ceasefire peace, cessation of hostilities. The war is over. In a word, it's grace from God to you. Christ came to end our war that we have 
with God. He came to give us peace. So that's grace. That's our message. We needed him to do it. We couldn't do it in our own strength. We couldn't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We needed Christ to come to us to reconcile us to God. That's grace. Okay, verse 18. For through him, him is Jesus. For through Jesus, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So it's through Christ, or literally in Christ, that we get access, it's a big word, access to the Father. This is not theoretical access, because the verse says it's access in the Holy Spirit. So we can actually know God by the Holy Spirit, having access by what Christ has given us. And we can experience relationship with the Father through the Spirit. Uh, I also want you to see that there's a lot of loving and knowing encoded in here as well. Because Jesus loves us to take us to the Father so that we can be loved by the Father and so that we can know the Father and who He is by His presence with us of the Holy Spirit. He loves us, He knows us, so that we can love Him and know Him. Access is being able to know God. Access is also the place where we can be known by God and be loved by God too. It is so very gracious of Jesus to do this for us. I also want you to see a community at work here. I want you to observe the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all present in this verse. They are a divine community. And listen to this. What Jesus has done has brought you into that divine community. Our big driving idea of where community comes from, comes from God himself, who is a community in perfect harmony and perfect fellowship. And we are invited in Christ into that divine community. That is a remarkable thought to me. ECP, we need to demonstrate the Trinity. Harmony. Community. Standing on the grace of Christ when harmony and community break down. Reinstating it, redeveloping it, re-entering it as well. Okay, for the uh, attentive listener, you will have discerned a couple of essential principles in this verse already. Can you see the Lordship of the Father? Can you see the standing on the grace of Christ, essential principle number two? Can you see essential principle number four, engaging with the Holy Spirit? Again, you see essential principle number five, relationships and people are important as we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relating to each other, and we're invited into that. And on the topic of relationship, human relationship this time, we flip to verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word alien, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So in this verse, we are starting to get a taste of what community is. 17 and 18, we're talking about grace primarily, but now 19, we start warming up into what genuine community is. So a couple of quick uh, thoughts on this. First, there are, okay, you've got to listen to me here, there are no strangers. If you push me for another coat of arms and another motto, what about this? Start a stranger, 
Become friend, end as family. Secondly, there are no aliens. Aliens are green, they look different, they've got funny teeth and they smell. No one in God's community gets to feel like an alien. No one gets to feel they're so different they're not accepted. According to this verse. A grace community loves overcoming the hazards of diversity with love that stems from grace. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying we have to do it. Okay, number three on this verse. Isn't it amazing that we are caught up with a community that's been around for centuries? We are fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens with God's people for 2,000 years at least. ECP is new, but we are nothing new. We've just been born, but we do come from a lineage. What I'm here trying to say is we are not trying to be the latest, coolest, best, most improved, innovative version of God's church that's ever been. We're just trying to be simple. Love God, love people. Just like the people of old. Fourth, I want you to see this. We're a community in God's home. God's household. God's home. We've been invited back to his place. By the way, it's a palace. You've got to check out his place. You should see the rugs and the carpets. And the paintings on the wall are worth millions. And did you see the mahogany dining table? The gold taps in the bathrooms. The fireplace is enormous. And the fridge is always bursting at the seams. Somehow, we made it into God's house. Isn't that amazing? We didn't deserve it. But that's grace for you. God's favor to me amounting to goodness in Christ. God's welcomed us into his very own home. Therefore, his local church should be a home of warmth where we can savor the riches of Christ and of God. All right, verse 20. This whole thing is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. I told you we were old. Our foundation is the apostles and the prophets. Remember essential principle number three? Anyone want to quote it back to me? Reference and recourse in all things to the Bible. Well, who are the prophets? Let's just call that the Old Testament. we got to know the Old Testament if we are going to take this picture seriously. Who are the apostles? They're the guys who wrote the New Testament. we got to know the New Testament backwards if we're going to build the household. We want, need to be established on that. That's our essential principle number three. We've got to see the world how the apostles saw the world. That's our challenge. All right, we're just warming up to my favorite bits here. Verse 20, Christ himself being the cornerstone. Can anyone remember essential principle number two? In all things, to stand on Christ, the cornerstone, is grace. In all things. Well, this is where it is, right here. This is grace. As good a look at grace as you can see in the Bible. Christ is the cornerstone. 
his death and his resurrection are the cornerstone. His death and his resurrection are the cornerstone. Christ's death and his resurrection are the first stone in the house. The whole thing is based on that stone. That is the keystone. Therefore, everything at ECP has to be built on the cornerstone of Christ's death and resurrection. Okay, what is, the, what, is the, what is the extrapolation of this logic? Well, it's this. If anything is not on the cornerstone, it's simply not in God's kingdom. If anything is not on the cornerstone, it's simply not in God's kingdom. Everything done off the cornerstone counts for nothing. It's death. The only life is on the cornerstone of Christ and his death and his resurrection. Needless to say, stand on the cornerstone, ECP. Base everything you do on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Don't move off it. Be on it in all things. But let me tell you, this takes a lot of discipline and focus and attention. Conduct all your relationships on the cornerstone. On the cornerstone, conduct every conversation, every coffee, every CG meeting, every song sung, every service served, every argument, every frustration, every anger, every hurt, every pain, and every sin. Every sin, bring it onto the cornerstone. It's the stone of grace. Off the stone, you will rot in guilt and shame. So live on the cornerstone. If you want the true picture of who you are, if you're one of those people who's searching for identity and don't know who you are, who you are is the person on the cornerstone. Stand on the cornerstone and you will see who you are. That is your true self. That is your identity. If you build community off the stone of grace, it's not a grace community. It may be a community but it's not a grace community. Okay, carrying on into verse 21. Verse 20 says, Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom, in whom, in whom, the whole structure being joined together grows. All right, you've got to read this one slowly. So Christ is the cornerstone. You get it? In him, in whom, the whole structure grows. So there's one cornerstone, and it's in this cornerstone that the whole thing grows. What? The whole structure in one stone? That's the picture? Really? The whole thing in one stone? Well, that's what he's saying. It's a powerful metaphor. The whole church is built from or on or out of this cornerstone. And so for this structure to grow properly, it's got to be on or in the cornerstone. Why am I emphasizing this? Well, because it's in or on this cornerstone that the whole thing is being, and this is a quote, being joined together. So those things on the cornerstone are being joined together. The joining happens in the cornerstone or on the cornerstone. The joining happens because of the cornerstone. The joining happens because we're all equal on the cornerstone. 
That's who we are. We all need the grace of Christ. And it's only when we know that and stand on that that we can be grown together. So this is the idea of community. This is part of the genius of this passage, is that the whole thing, all of us standing on the cornerstone, become joined together into community. The picture being created here is the community on this cornerstone is tight, it's close, it's joined together. There's a lot of loving on that cornerstone, and there's a lot of knowing on that cornerstone, because it's tightly packed. Together we are joined. And don't forget that this church on this cornerstone grows. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not uh, dead wood or cement. It's actually living. It's alive. It's morphing. It needs nutrients, and those nutrients are all found based on Christ. It's an incredible, incredible cornerstone. Okay, coming into land This whole thing grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's what it goes on to say. We grow into a holy temple. We are joined together. The home, God's home, we suddenly discover, is also doubles up as a temple. And the temple is a place where outsiders can come in to find God. So this is not all just internal. A big part of this, is, and this is what we're going to get to next week, is looking outwardly. How are we the temple? How can people come to us? How can we go to them? to take this message of grace to other people who are not yet part of God's family. So it's all there in this passage. I don't have time to go into that now. But being an evangelistic community is something of what it is to be the temple. But we'll get to that in due course next week. Okay, verse 22. In Him, so he's going to repeat it, in Him you also are being built together. In Him you also are being built together. It's a repeat. But here's the idea I want you to catch. If you stand on the cornerstone, you put yourself there. You may feel that you are there by yourself. But it's not true, because it says we are being built together. Those who stand on the cornerstone discover there are other people on the cornerstone too. You're not there by yourself. There's another person, and another, and another, and another. It's pretty crowded on the cornerstone. But Christ himself, the way he's going to build it is he will do the connecting of us together. But you need to be on the stone to be joined together. And so here is one of the great truths about church. If you stand on Christ, you get a church thrown in free of charge. If you stand on Christ, the cornerstone, He builds you together with others. Together. But if you try and build the church first, you might not get Christ. But if you stand on the cornerstone, He will build the church around Him. If you stand on the cornerstone and you look around, the thing you see is a community that he is building on the same stone. So let me put it like this. At ECP, we are not trying to build a church. We are trying to cause people to stand on the cornerstone. I'm not saying we're not going to have administration and great organization and a great sense of order. All of that does flow. That's not our primary objective. Our primary objective 
is to cause people to stand on the cornerstone and to let Jesus build us together. Uh, he will supply the order and the organization to facilitate that. And then finally, verse 22. We are being built together into a, you've got to listen to this, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is best of all. It's not like God is out of town and, hey, kids, here's the keys to my mansion. Go and have some fun. No. He's building a dwelling place where he may dwell on earth by his Spirit. God is coming to live with us, ECP. He's coming to dwell with us. Why? Because he wants to love us and he wants to know us. And he wants us to love him and know him. Love God, love people, actually turns out to be we are loved by God and known by God too. So, these are some thoughts, just initially setting out what we'd love ECP to be. This is God's invitation to you all to buy into this, to own it, and to become a shareholder. Amen. Shall we pray? You've been listening to a sermon podcast from Redemption Hill Church. You can find more of our sermons online at www.rhc.org.sg.